0: Welcome to IDGen. We track down and explore the most exciting crypto hacks, mysteries, exploits, and anything that feeds our crypto curiosity. We dig in, cutting through the misinformation and hype in search of signal from the noise. What's happening, Zach? How you doing? Hey, uh, doing well. Doing well, Hunt. How about yourself? Pretty good, you know. Just another average week in crypto. Not nothing too exciting, huh? Yeah. I like
1: last week I thought that the chaos in crypto was fitting
0: and it just feels like every week it keeps getting crazier. Yeah, it does feel like it's ramping up. Uh, I remember when we started this podcast, we worried, you know, is there going to be enough to report on weekly? And there is enough and then some. um, Definitely some wild shenanigans out there. Can't wait to uh, dive in with you. I, I genuinely look forward to coming over and having these conversations with you. Yeah, right
1: on, man. This week, we're going to talk about the tornado cash sanctions dropped by the Uh, treasury secretary and we're gonna talk a little bit about the saber DeFi. this one seemed to fly under the radar really crazy kind of house of cards scenario uh, tvl manipulation and on devs all sorts of stuff there and yeah then there's a ton of weekly stories all kinds of different little things in fact it got to a point where I just stopped adding them because I realized we were probably gonna run out of time. Yeah what what do you got for us? What's go, what
0: what happened this week? And the-
1: yeah, so kicking it off, we're looking at the Nomad Bridge hack update that we talked about last week. So a couple key points to touch up on: they officially announced a bug bounty, ten percent bounty uh, for, to the hackers where Nomad will consider any party who returns at least 90% of the total funds that they hacked to be a white hat. Nomad will not
0: pursue legal action against white hats. Sounds pretty good on paper. Hopefully that does not dox some people who've maybe done some uh, less than white hat things in the past. So hopefully that works out for them. I'm going to bet that it won't.
1: I don't think that will be enough to incentivize the attacker. And I think primarily because there's just a lack of trust in how that works. Like, it's not really up to Nomad. Yeah. If Nomad, you know, like, if if they came out and and claimed the bounty and wanted to be public and, you know, I just, I don't know. I don't think it's going to work. Anyways, we'll see. I hope it does. That would be great. Uh, Cointelegraph also reported that 88% of the exploiters were copycats on that Nomad attack. So that was kind of interesting, it was was unclear last week, I think, some of those details. And that detail actually came from a really nice write-up from the Coinbase team, a couple of folks there, I think one of their heads of their threat intelligence or or something, he wrote a really nice, they wrote a really great article on technical analysis, the Nomad hack. So that's in our show notes and you can check that out. I'm not, for the sake of time, going to dig in. We did get a little pretty technical on it last week. so. Um, but yeah, there's really, really good stuff from the Coinbase team there. They talk a little bit about how you know, the, the hack didn't impact Coinbase, but the way they see it, you know, these security um, incidents are bad for all of crypto and DeFi. So they want to help and get the information out. Um, up next, there was an interesting report. That surfaced on a consensus level attack on Ethereum. There was a lot of folks that disputed this this report, but it looks like there was a there has been. There's evidence that one of the Ethereum mining pools has actually been taking advantage of this. This doesn't um, ultimately. If this consensus attack was taking place, it was the the net result is that that. Particular mining pool would end up with a little bit of extra ETH that essentially that, you know, coming out of the hands of other miners. And so certainly you could argue that that would have a negative impact on the price of ETH and not trying to downplay it. Um, As I understand it, this will not be um, effective anymore after the move to proof of stake, which uh, I'll just jump quickly ahead to that one. Looks like we've got a date, September 15th yeah the ethereum merge is scheduled. there's a block number um, or no, it's not a block number. It's a, looks like a date timestamp that uh, they expect will be September 15th or
0: 16th. so that's awesome. I mean what do you know? I feel like they were talking about the September 15, 16, 17 time frame a couple months ago and it kind of blows my mind that they actually might be pretty close to that estimation. I, I just always assume it's going to get pushed back but that's exciting to see. Yeah yeah really it's gonna be fun to
1: see ethereum make this massive transition hopefully successfully
0: we'll have to do an episode that talks about that and any security concerns with uh, the move from proof of work to proof of stake so I'll look forward to that one yeah we could definitely look into that I'm
1: sure there's a lot of there's a lot to talk about there you know there's some I know that there's some Maxim Bitcoin maximalists that believe that proof of work is far superior to proof of stake, and yeah, we could talk about that. Not today, though. Uh, next, this one we uh maybe would have dug, we would spend more time on this, but we're not going to. The curve.fi DNS hijack so, 570,000 dollars, I think it was worth of ETH mostly, was hijacked. And it was stolen and this was a DNS hijack. So what happens in this case is someone gets a hold of the DNS hosting records. They pointed the domain curve.phi to a different um, IP address. That IP address hosted a clone of the Curve.Fi website. So it looked identical. The difference is that those interacting with the website unknowingly approved a malicious contract um there's a whole i I would love to talk more about this because this is sort of the hits into the area of like well hey you have this you know this is DeFi curve is like decentralized protocol how can this type of thing happen and you know yeah this is essentially just a your run-of-the-mill kind of dns hijacking it's just extremely lucrative in a case like this where you know with a lot of other standard websites it wouldn't be so easy. There was another interesting part of this curve finance one I wanted to throw in there. Some of the stolen funds were being moved through um, a protocol or an application called fixed float and they actually froze like 112 ethereum. so not that much but um, but still like it was it was interesting to me to see how the funds could be frozen in that protocol. And, you know, they were, funds were frozen pending further
0: investigation. Right. I saw that uh, CZ at Binance was also talking about uh, potentially freezing some funds, but that was just coming out right before we recorded that. Um, So, yeah, it'll be wild to watch it all unfold. And
1: you almost have to have a conversation about it's like if you want to be in DeFi and you want things to be decentralized, how. It just seems a little like that these protocols can freeze funds. It It's not decentralized if you can freeze funds. In my yeah. Plan. And I'm right. And so I, I'm not like a maximalist on the side of decentralization by any means. Like I, I think there's certain places that Web2 works really good and better and well and, and different things. But when it comes to protocols and you're moving your money through them like this. Uh, yeah. So. That will obviously be a huge part of the discussion we get into Tornado Cash here in a bit. Um, The next one, this was supposed to be, I just wanted to kind of hit on this story as I heard about it. It was interesting, but the more I dug, I just like, we could easily talk about this for the entire episode as well. This next story, this is, um, you know, so maybe we'll spend a few more minutes on this one uh, before we dig into Tornado Cash. The um, master's, uh masters of anon how a crypto developer faked a DeFi ecosystem that was the title of the coindesk article and it looks like the folks at coindesk did a lot of this research to kind of break this story and so what we have here is the uh brothers maybe uh, used web of bogus identities to create the illusion of a developer community juicing value on the saber protocol in solana blockchain now they're moving to a new blockchain because they said that uh, Solana breaks too much. I'm not making this up. Um, however, um, Ian, one of the brothers, said that Saber and the Sunny Protocol uh, comprised 7.5 billion of the total Solana TVL. Wow, that's a large percentage. The, in 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 context, it's important though. That 7.5 billion. Of 10.5 billion at their peak so that's 75% crazy yeah and uh, he believes this contributed to Solana's meteoric rise when the token reached record highs of 188 so 11 developers in this ecosystem were all the same person which I assume is one of the brothers right the two brothers were in on it but I think one of the brothers was the dev so this guy's running around he's cranking out DeFi protocols on top of Sabre, right? And so what happened is so they, they built these additional protocols with by these Anon devs. So it looked like, oh, wow, this is this vibrant ecosystem. You have all these protocols emerging on top of Sabre. And so, okay, so as if that isn't bad enough, like, I don't know. I mean, being Anon and DeFi is a thing. And, uh, right, so maybe who knows who's behind some of the Anon stuff, right? So... Okay, all that just sounds a little goofy, but then this is where it really, this is where it really got to me. Um, so the crypto data website Defi Llama, they have changed the way they present a key decentralized finance metric in response to this story breaking. Okay, so uh, this is a tweet from Defi Llama. Given the latest news regarding Sabre, we've set the default value of our double count toggle to off. This removes double counting among protocols. Previously, it was optional on DeFi Llama, but from today on, we've changed it. Convenient so, timing. <laughs> so, well, they got called out. Oh. They got. I mean, that, that was the thing is that it became kind of obvious that the way... Okay, so as I understand it, between Sabre and these different protocols that were sitting on top of Sabre... The TVL, the way that they tracked it, it, w- it was counting it in both places. So, you know, one dollar could be counted to, as two or three dollars worth of TVL,
0: which I mean, that's that's not that's fake. Yeah, that's double or triply fake. And I have a feeling there's probably a decent amount of this going on behind the scenes in crypto. And so I'm kind of happy to see this all called out, but it's uh, pretty wild to see unfold in front of our eyes. Yeah, I agree. And,
1: you know, this concept of fake it till you make it, like what if, if these guys hadn't pulled this off? So so there was, um, I would definitely recommend if you're interested in this story, checking out the Coindes- CoinDesk article and video on it. There's a little video in her um, where they, they talk, she talks to the story in her research, but what they did is is somehow they tracked down a blog that this guy wrote back in May, I think, uh, 2022, that never got published. And it was this whole, like, he, he breaks it all down and explains how they were behind this and how they believe that they were, you know, they led to um, the kind of the meteoric rise of Solana. They, they were huge parts. We're like, wow, look at all this TVL. Like, there's all this action, this DeFi action on Solana. Like, a massive portion of it was... Miscalculated was misrepresented, I guess is probably that's, the kindest way yeah, to say it. That's a nice way to say it, you know. And uh, and so then these guys are like, now they're ticked off that Solana keeps pausing and they're going to go build on some other chain instead, which I will not
0: mention. Oh God. what?
1: like, honestly, who is going to go put money into their protocols after this?
0: It blows my mind, but somebody probably will. They will. You would think that people would understand this and see that, you know, they would be marked as a bad actor in this space and that you wouldn't want to invest in them, support them. But it's still, it's it's a thing. It's going to keep happening. It's crazy, huh? It's, I, it's, yeah. I don't know. So did
1: did they fake they faked it? Solana kind of made it, but... Did they? i mean if it's i don't know i this if i'm if i'm reading up on this i would be uh i would be pretty wary you know because it's like i get it fake it till you make it you get to that point and then it's like you're big enough and whatever you had to do to
0: get there doesn't really matter but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think you're right. I think this is a big story in this space, but it it might be overshadowed by our next story uh, about Tornado Cash, which seems to be all what people are talking about. And if this had happened two months ago or any other week, I think there'd be a lot more people calling this out, but it seems like uh, there are bigger and crazier uh, stories to be talking about.
1: Yeah. Hard to know. Hard to speculate on that. I could I looked at some of the dates, I think, and I think the Sabre stuff dropped like maybe the end of last week even. So right after okay. we recorded, but I, I don't know for sure, but keep an eye on it. If you're interested in, uh, you know, DeFi metrics and TVL, double accounting, like crazy. Uh, yeah. All right. So the big story of the week, which really has the crypto world. Uh, I Up in arms, there's a lot of crazy There's a lot of people who are very crazy upset. Um, The US Treasury sanctions notorious virtual currency mixer Tornado Cash. So they have this this list of addresses of sanctioned addresses. Previously, this would be addresses that were known to be associated with uh, nation state actors, North Korea, the Lazarus Group, um what else was on there? Um, yeah, so they basically they add addresses to this list and they're sanctioned and it's very similar to like a sanctioned bank account list, I guess. You know, you can't um as a US citizen and anybody who kind of is actively participating in the US um banking systems, right? It, it's not just the US. Like if once you're on the sanctioned list. I know that um, countries like Costa Rica, and I, I know there's a, quite a few more, they also don't allow you to, um, you know, you that that's it. You can't, you can't interact with these addresses.
0: So, um, yeah, I think we'd agree that that's probably a good thing to sanction, you know, North Korea and terrorist groups and things like that. But in my opinion, it's where's the line? You know, it's a slippery slope that, you know, they, they sanction these. But who's next? How far do they go? You know, it's it's a. Uh, that's why I think this is even bigger than just Tornado Cash, but yeah. Yeah.
1: So, and the key point here, one of one of the many points, I guess I should say, is that this, as I understand it, this is the first time that a smart contract has been sanctioned. I think you're right. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So previously, right, it was, um, it was just addresses or wallets. And uh, yeah, so let's take a quick dive into Tornado Cash and how it works. Tornado Cash is a decentralized application, Uh, It was launched on Ethereum in 2019. The way that I see it is really its use, its value, or what its purpose is, is to unlink the source and destination of coins on the Ethereum network. Some people, depending on who you ask, say that it's a privacy tool, other people say it's a mixer. So a common term that's been used to explain this type of technology
0: is, is called a coin mixer. Essentially, yeah, in, in general, as far as my layman self understands it, it's just a way to make your coins fungible. Right now, they're non fungible, they could see, you know, where they could follow the one Ethereum in my wallet and follow it in throughout its life. And so, they're trying to make it so it's more fungible, and each uh, Ethereum is, you know, kind of different, and you couldn't trace it back to its uh, original source. That's how I understand it, but you know, I'm a little bit new to Tornado Cash. Yeah,
1: so in theory, certainly I think that that is accurate. The nuance there is that when your coins emerge on the other side of tornado cash, you can almost be certain that uh, they're being flagged, uh, you know, in in some way, shape or form tainted, so to speak. So, um, maybe not as tainted or not provably tainted like coins that were stolen or hacked going in, but something to be aware of. And, and this is uh, something that I think we've talked about on, on the show before as well, is that, you know, if you were creating, running, operating, using any type of blockchain forensics tool, you would those tools absolutely are going to, uh, at some point, if they don't already assign, you know, risk scores to different transactions and addresses. And you can imagine if you see coins that have come out of tornado cash, they would, you would likely bump the, the risk rating with those coins. So um, I just want to make sure that everyone has like a really basic understanding. So when you deposit one ETH into the contract, the tornado cash contract, you have to provide a commitment and that's all generated in your browser for you and this commitment is stored by the smart contract when when and then when you withdraw one ETH on the other side you have to provide a nullifier and a zero knowledge proof so the nullifier is a unique ID it's connected to the commitment of the zero knowledge proof and it proves that connection so nobody knows which nullifier is assigned to which commitment except the owner of the depositor withdraw account so yeah zero knowledge proofs is the underlying technology that is the, the magic behind how Tornado Cash was able to do this. And reading about this, uh, reading up this week, even um, Chain Analysis mentioned that Tornado Cash is, is one of the more advanced privacy mixers. Um, they do have some ways I know that they can uh, de-anonymize the transactions, but they're kind of like best guess, right? Types of things. So anyways, uh, that is the... That is like the, the kind of basics of it. You can either deposit like 0.1 ETH, 1 ETH, um, a hun- 10 ETH or 100 ETH. Then they added stable coins. And they also, um, I thought that they had, uh, uh, I thought that Tornado Cash operates also on Polygon. Oh. Contracts are deployed there. And I didn't see of the 38 addresses that were sanctioned any mention of Polygon. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know could be wrong about that but i'm
0: pretty sure that that was there so something i was thinking about is like there are people who use this who are bad actors and might be doing illicit things but there's also a lot of people out there who are just privacy focused people they might be anon they just don't want you know people tracking their funds and i think there's a, a a definitely good amount i don't know how many of people who just use this to kind of keep their privacy and you know I think you have an interesting perspective on this because I would consider you one of my friends who's at least very educated about privacy and you know uh, you have been known to frequent yourself in the Zcash community or you know Monero and you have a good idea and I don't know about anything nefarious that you've ever done but you definitely understand all of these you know things because you think privacy is a, 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 a right that we should all have so I'm, I'm pretty excited to hear your perspective of all this
1: yeah, well, and just one minor correction there. I, I rarely mess with Monero. Monero, uh, I've I have I've used it and tested it and things in the past, but I really um, I was led I arrived at the conclusion that the anonymizing technology was inferior.
0: And um, I don't know. I, I wouldn't anyway, say you follow these communities, not maybe that you're in it or, or using these these privacy yeah, tools a lot, yeah. but you definitely keep an eye on this sector of the space.
1: Yeah, yeah yep that, that would be a fair statement. So um, from the other side, uh, before we get into kind of the the resistance, the privacy views on this, um, from the the horse's mouth from treasury.gov, the article releasing or the story where they uh, announced this the announcement, whatever it was. Um, why sanction this? Why do this? According to them this is a quote, Tornado Cash, which has been used to launder more than seven billion worth of virtual currency since its inception in 2019. Uh, sorry, since its creation in 2019. So, um, first of all, like you know, here's where it starts to get thorny quickly. That that is simply not factually accurate. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, as I understand it, and and if we look um, further into this, we see that uh, chain analysis has done a nice write-up on a breakdown of all funds that have gone into Tornado Cash, and this graph is included in our show notes, but some of the highlights, Um, cryptocurrencies received by Tornado Cash by source, so 49.6% of all funds going in were, they have listed in a a generic DeFi bucket, Um, sanctioned coins going in, 17%. What does a sanctioned coin mean? So that would mean if you had an existing address that was sanctioned, um, although uh, let me step back real quick and say that they did call out in this article that um, when the coins went into tornado cash from these sanctioned addresses, most of the addresses at the time were not sanctioned. They have since been sanctioned. And because of the public nature of the blockchain, we can easily know. So that statistic, 17.7% from sanctioned addresses, That actually, you know, that nuance may or may not be super important. But uh, just so you know, those addresses weren't, most of those addresses were not sanctioned when it was sent in. Afterwards, they were identified as being related to North Korea, Lazarus Group,
0: whatever. And once these addresses are sanctioned, they're not using them again. They're probably just starting a new address. So it's kind of a game of cat and mouse that, you know, once they publicly say this address is sanctioned. Uh, I have a feeling the Lazarus group is smart enough to not uh, reuse that address again. Well but but if the coins are sitting on that address. I get it. So then they could follow and have from to that go address, somewhere. To the other address. Yeah,
1: that's right. And and so then you know you could know and, and the way that this list works is that let's say a sanctioned address gets sanctioned and it's holding hundred ETH, if you're a US business or person, you have to it's your responsibility and, and this is not technically feasible, as some people have pointed out, because you can send coins to any address that you want, um, right? So uh, it's it's not feasible to follow the guidelines here or the restrictions because you're not allowed to accept funds from a sanctioned address. So one of the things we saw this week uh, was the, the dusting of the public accounts but actually let me finish the chart here though so we had 49 percent 5 17.7 sanctioned addresses centralized exchanges 17.6 percent so you're on a kyc exchange you buy some eth you or usdc right usdc was supported by tornado cash and you send it into tornado cash 17.6 percent of all the coins going in were sourced directly from centralized exchanges indeed they could have been hacked they could have been sock puppet accounts we don't know but there's a good chance that you know uh a good portion of that 17.6 percent coming from centralized exchanges were kyc folks and um 10.5% stolen funds, and 2.1% is other, and there's some other s- smaller little pieces of the pie that it doesn't seem like um, they don't have them labeled. I don't know what those are for, but that's the lion's share of it. That's you know what that probably 90, 98% or something, 99% of all the funds going in, and that is according to chain analysis. So why is the Department of Treasury saying that everything, all seven billion that's ever gone in? was for money laundering uh the definition as i understand it is that it has to be illegally obtained funds that are then obfuscated and so what we can see is that that's that's why i'm comfortable saying that that's factually incorrect statement that that all money having gone in um is laundered money. At the same time, I can tell you for certain that uh, intelligence agencies have sent money into the mixers as well
0: and they probably aren't laundering it so yeah anyways so, so just so i'm understanding this that's um very like if if they did this with the us dollar if if i try to use a 20 dollar bill out of my wallet that somebody had used to buy drugs or gamble or anything illicit they would say your 20 dollar bill is sanctioned and, and no longer uh, accepted is, is that kind of correct because that seems wild
1: the the better analogy would be the
0: wallet It would say your wallet itself. Gee, geez. So even if one one of my $20 bills was used for something bad, all of my $20 bills are now worthless or being flagged or being watched. Mm -hmm. Crazy. Yeah, well, um,
1: it's as I understand it, it's like you, if you transact with that address, like you're in. Serious, serious trouble. So so not you're in violation of these sanctions.
0: Not only is the $20 bills in my wallet being a violation. If I accepted a $20 bill for my lemonade stand or whatever to from somebody who bought lemonade for me and then they had used it for something uh, illicit, then my my wallet, my funds would be flagged like that seems crazy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And again, not just flagged, but like, you know, you would be breaking these these very serious sanctions so um another quote that i pulled out and i wanted to read just so that we everyone has you know all the sides um this was this quote is from brian e nelson the secretary of treasury for terrorism and financial intelligence despite public assurances otherwise tornado cash has repeatedly failed to impose effective controls designed to stop it from laundering funds for malicious cyber actors on a regular basis, and without basic measures to address its risk, Treasury will continue to aggressively pursue actions against mixers that launder virtual currency for criminals and those who assist them. So uh, that's the perspective coming out of the Treasury side. And now we've we've looked at you know and broken down some of the coins and how they go in and um, 38 addresses in total were sanctioned, breaking in the last day or so on this because the sanctions actually dropped Monday, I think. And uh, was it Monday? It was earlier in the week. And then um, now this is big news here is that a Tornado Cash developer has been arrested, arrested in the Netherlands uh, What was that? That was Wednesday. So, and according to an article and uh, read right up in The Verge, suspected of involvement in concealing criminal financial flows and facilitating money laundering. And that, quote, multiple arrests are not ruled out as the investigations into Tornado Cash continues. Wow. So... A lot to unpack here There's a ton to unpack here A couple more points on the overall uh, On the the overall Just kind of what happened side of things So We talked about the famous accounts Being dusted by Tornado coin uh, Being dusted with Coins from Tornado cash And that is kind of An interesting
0: element here Um, So what do you mean When you say dusted Like what happened there
1: yeah, so really, someone who had coins in Tornado Cash, they withdrew them, and they sent dust, small bits of coin. It doesn't you know? It could be a penny. It could be less than a penny. It could be you know one way or something. Um, and that's when they call it dust because it just be a very small amount. It's more about the transaction itself, and so they sent it
0: to a um, bunch I mean, of famous wallets. Snoop Dogg. Logan Paul, Beeple, who else? Steve Aoki, the, the DJ who's pretty uh, yeah. active in the NFT and Ethereum world. So they were basically sending them to these famous wallets saying, well, if if the, if anybody who's received this coin is breaking the law, well, these guys are breaking the law because they haven't, even though without asking for these coins, now they've received dirty coin. Point 0.1, it looks like, Point 0.1 ETH um, that, that,
1: that they were sent. So that was obviously a stunt kind of to prove the flaws in these sanctions and to highlight that there are some some major issues with you know sanctioning issuing sanctions in this way. Um now this is where things okay so before the dev got arrested um Tornado Cash their GitHub organization was shut down. Personal GitHub accounts of Tornado Cash contributors were closed. All USDC on Tornado Cash contracts was uh, banned. So, so, wow. Here we've seen the the um, the much discussed backdoor in USDC has been leveraged, as I understand it, uh, to basically blacklist the usdc coming in and out of it so you know
0: nobody can even probably dust it because as i understand it when they do that you
1: can't send it it locks
0: it i think Ooh, crazy so just so, so i'm understanding since i'm not the technical one github is where open source code lives so they're in fact censoring this open source code is that correct
1: kind of github is a is owned by microsoft they're just a website where people like to host it's the most popular place to host code okay so you can host public repositories there it's it's a web interface for the git protocol right which is just a a very common developer uh software development um protocol so uh yes to some degree but there's tons of other places you can host open source code right and uh but it is the big it is you know the, the largest certainly um, so, the list continues on of the Tornado Cash resources that were banned. Uh, In Fura's RPC endpoints were disabled. The Alchemy platform's RPC points were disabled. TornadoCache.eth, Limo domain, and at ETH underscore Limo. So, Limo, Limo, I don't know what that is, L I M O. So, th- these are all resources that have been kind of banned, shut down, blocked.
0: And I believe even their their Discord, where most of their community um, interacted with each other, has also now been shut down. I I believe I saw that right before you started recording.
1: Yeah, I think I'd read that as well. That tweet was from Tornado Cash team, so that might have been a little outdated. And um, yeah, so Hunt, you had sent me a link that uh, tweet, the guy showed um, a massive spike, and he said, oh, Tornado Cash, you know... Um, the use is actually going up, they were trying to say in that tweet. That's what they're trying to say. So I looked at it, and what I noticed immediately is that it was tracking withdraws, mm-hmm. and I didn't see any mention of deposits. So I read that in a very different way. So I looked at that, and I thought, okay, if you're if you're looking at withdraws, basically people are... Trying to get their ETH out of Tornado Cash, I'm saying ETH could be any coin they have in there, not USDC if it's frozen, but um, or maybe it'll be frozen on the way out. I don't know; it's unclear to me. I guess maybe the contract,
0: yeah, is frozen. I don't know how that works on USDC. Anyways,
1: um, let's just say ETH, even though you know we're talking most of any of the assets. Um, if you're immediately, if you if you're trying to panic withdraw and get out, my guess is that you want to then use that ETH somewhere before it becomes unfungible. So Uh, a lot of U.S.-based firms aren't going to be able to act in a matter of hours to add these addresses to their blacklists. Knowing how, you know, some of these companies work, things take time. You're going to update a blacklist. It may not be that the moment the sanctions drop, you know, 10 minutes later, if you tried to deposit into Coinbase, you know, like what would happen, right? Are you going to get flagged it you know, I, I don't know, right? But it seems like these things take time. So my read on that is that everyone's rushing to get their ETH out and try and do something with it. it it's a bank run. It's literally everybody's running to the bank to get yeah. their funds before yep. they run out. Which makes sense to me. I'd be interested in seeing the deposits. Now, with the front end and the UI disabled and all the RPC endpoints, uh not all the RPC endpoints, but Infura uh, Alchemy disabled. Uh, accessing and using these contracts just became more difficult not super tough I mean I don't know but there was a lot of like the I think that those commitment proofs were generated in the browser um, so yeah this one might be a little harder to use without the the web UI if you're you're gonna do all that manually so um, one other thing I another thing I wanted to mention on this there there's a really interesting feature of tornado cash that I've not seen mentioned anywhere in all these write-ups and articles and stories. When you deposit, you can you can ask for, when you deposit and then withdraw, you can ask for a proof. And they literally say that this is for accounting and tax purposes. It's a receipt, basically. Yeah, and so what it does, it's, it's really cool. They just implemented this, I think, in the last year. And what it allows you to do is you have a cryptographic proof that, let's say I were to get, um, somewhere, were investigating me and saying, hey, why did you send these coins in there? If I saved this proof, I could provide this and it would say, look, these coins that came out here of my, on, on this other side, on my address, this proof I can share with you and it's gonna prove mathematically, cryptographically that these are the coins that I sent in. And they're linked right and and so the whole point of them doing that was to try and be compliant and to say like to to help to say like look no this isn't just used for criminals so yeah i mean it's a really cool feature but it's very much ahead of its time right like no one a you it doesn't seem to be even mentioned in any of these write-ups and so no one cares and um, are we going to be at a point where you can imagine being in court and being like, hey, I have this this cryptographic proof that's going to show, you know, where my coins that I pulled out came from. Like, it just sounds like uh, quite a
0: yeah, is quite it, a ways out there. Is that proof public or is that only sent to that one person? Like, could
1: oh, no, no, no. If the proof was public, then you could.
0: That's what I was thinking. So,
1: yeah, you you keep it to yourself. And then what they say is, is if you get audited, if you want to show and prove to someone, and, you know, let's say it didn't even involve law enforcement. Let's say, like, you had a business and there was a, you know, you were in the business and you were um, increasing privacy of the company's coins by sending them through tornado cash. You could save these little receipts, right? And then any auditor down the road could come in and go, okay, look, yep, boom, I have proof that, we sent in all these coins and they came out here. So just an interesting little feature that Tornado Cash did add that uh, the treasury didn't seem to be very swayed by. Um, The price of torn down from 30 at the beginning of the week before the announcement uh, at its low point, I think right around 13. Wow, over 50, 50, 60% down in a couple days. Yeah, yeah, I mean, can't say. Didn't see that coming looks like uh, Yeah, forty six point five percent down in the seven day with a small There's a small little jump when I took that screenshot But yeah, basically 50% um, torn is the coin the Dow token torn They had a great liquidity mining program for torn so you would deposit and for all the more time that you left your coins inside the mixer inside the smart contracts you were earning uh you, you were earning torn so it was a really genius way to incentivize people to deposit and the reason that you want to incentivize deposits is because the more people that deposit the larger their the uh, anonymity set
0: uh, you know is or whatever right so the community if they want to kind of fight this could all start using tornado cash for legitimate reasons. I've thought about this, but then you think to yourself that's scary because what if the me trying to help show that this can be legitimate flags my coins and, you know, that, w- that would be a hard pill to swallow.
1: Yeah, that I think that would have been a nice activist move before. Yeah. So, which raises the the discussion. I know, I think really the the angle you were most interested in on this hunt I've, I've held off until this point the resistance you know all the crypto folks that think this is atrocious and, and things so one quote i pulled up here there's a lot of mis. there's a lot of uninformed opinions floating around and, and rather than like pull them up and try to dispute them I found one that I really liked and um, probably familiar with Jake uh, Shervinsky.
0: Yeah, he's one of the more uh, prominent, famous
1: lawyers in this uh, space. Yeah. So he says, I've spent all week on the tornado cash sanctions and haven't heard a satisfying justification yet. The main argument is criminals used it a lot. Okay, but they use everything law-abiding citizens do. Uh, Okay, but they use everything law-abiding citizens do. Where is the line? How slippery is this slope? The uncertainty is a step back. Um, another one from Mike uh, Dudas. Feel like he's, I've seen him around. I don't know. Like I don't. Yeah, he's pretty prominent as well. Prominent. Um, gonna have to, or gonna have to arrest the developers behind Swift, Arc Network, Visa, Mastercard, because my understanding is that fraudulent transactions
0: and money laundering occur on global financial networks. Yeah, I I saw another tweet um, that what if you went so far as to uh, arrest Tim Berners Lee because he invented the internet and how many things have taken place on the internet that have been illegal or nefarious it's like you could take this as far as you want so slippery slope I agree
1: yeah it is a slippery slope I I don't know I believe that privacy is a fundamental right and that we need to have privacy it's it's our you know i i very i'm a very strong advocate for privacy but i have to be honest with you here i don't when you see nation state actors you know it's very clear that the ronin bridge coin, hack coins are like moving right into tornado cash like i i guess my point is i don't know what anyone else expected to happen Like, they could have done this differently. Um, In regards to the developer, I am going on a wait-and-see basis here. I realize that there's a lot of rage and and there's there's some very, like, upset people like, oh, my God, we're just arresting open-source developers now. And why don't we wait to see what the charges are? Because you just don't know. And it's like we're speculating... That anything other than that is just speculating. So why not just wait a bit? Um, I noticed that, uh, you know, someone that I know, his profile has has changed dramatically. He's no longer. He doesn't seem to be linking himself as a developer of Tornado Cash anymore. And I don't know who got arrested this week. The name I was digging and I couldn't see it. I didn't see anywhere listed um you know but like it i I feel like it's a pretty it seems okay it feels a lot like we do need to wait and see what the arrest is for right but um it does feel quite a bit like the um ross albrecht thing Mm -hmm. where they're making
0: this is the example
1: exactly like yeah. the, a big point of it is like they really want to make an example and show that they're you know that they're
0: gonna do um that they're serious yeah and arresting someone's a whole different case from prosecuting someone and having it go through trial and being able to prove things you know they could they can make their statement by arresting someone knowing full well that it's a hard battle to fight so it's definitely a wait and see I agree. yeah
1: and that's really twisted up in my opinion like Arresting someone as an example, running them through the court system, making you know like the the mental stress of that, like I just
0: I feel like that's a really really not okay thing to do. I agree, but it doesn't surprise me at all. You know, they don't think about these these people and the lives behind this this. They just think about yeah. you know, what's in their best interest. Yeah, I um, I don't know, like I.
1: I don't know what this is a really this is a really complicated predicament i mean we have a right to privacy but basically you know when you i don't know i know there's a term for this but it's like you know, you just blame it on terrorists yep. or child sexual abusers, right? You just say like, oh, because of these extreme cases, we need to pull back
0: everyone's privacy. Those are just buzzwords that they know are going to get the general population on their side. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's right. And and I mean, there is no doubt that, you know, North Korean hackers are were using tornado cash.
0: Sure, um, but so was Vitalik using Tornado Cash before he sent a donation to Ukraine, you know. So, yeah, there's, there's good and bad.
1: I want on-chain privacy. I want to deploy a contract and I don't want to connect it to my personal wallet, right? And, and, that's, and, and that's like, you know, the, the, the privacy conversation that you have with someone who's like, well, if you're not doing anything wrong, you know, then what's the problem? You know, and it's like, well, then you say to him, well, you're, you know, if your wife's not doing anything wrong in the shower, then why can't we all watch? That's you know, a, that's a great analogy. Like, why can't, why, why does she get to put up a, a curtain? Why do you get to put up a curtain? Why do you have walls in your house? Uh, you know, if you, if you're not doing anything wrong and it's like, there, there's a lot of folks that don't, they, they just, they take the bait, I think on the knee jerk reaction
0: stuff and um, yeah, I think a, a lot of people in this space would agree that privacy is a, a, a human right and one of our actually most important rights that we have, that we all have a right to be our own person and we don't need to broadcast that to governments, three-letter agencies, or the guy down the street. And I, I feel pretty firmly about that. It, it's really going to depend when we
1: look at the developer and the charges, right? Yeah. Um, I... And yeah, that one's that one's going to be one to watch.
0: It it shows to me that this is all, you know, shows that that Ethereum, Bitcoin, it's it's horrible criminal money. The cash US dollars is, you know, way easier That the government should be loving this kind of technology, because now if people try to use this for bad actions, we have things like chain analysis that can follow them. And, you know, there was a narrative early on in crypto that Bitcoin was anonymous or private or good criminal money and it's only for criminals well this is showing you right here that like it's not a good idea for criminals to use this because now the government has tools to sanction and watch things where like you can't do that with the u.s dollar if somebody were to hand you a briefcase with millions of dollars there's no way to freeze that there's no way to sanction it so um it's it's not good criminal money
1: i agree and but tornado cash did make it you know, it, it did, it does give it an element of privacy that does make it very appealing.
0: Yeah, but in my mind, it, like this is kind of like the multi-headed dragon. Once you cut off one head, another one pops up. Whereas like this code still exists. People are even talking about GitHub where people have copied it and posted it to IPFS. So people can make another tornado cache under another name. So as soon as they shut this one down, maybe people can do it in a more anonymous nature where 10 more, you know, pop up so it's a game of cat and mouse with like are they going to just going to continue to like keep pushing and like every time they shut one down what happens if 10 more pop up
1: yeah so that uh that's true and i saw some you know some folks tweeting about that type of thing like oh there's they don't realize like you know it was open source you can stand up more the trick challenge or problem with that is that the non anonymous set anonymity set i don't know i can't remember is uh, you need a large set of, of folks depositing. So if you stand up a new one mm-hmm. and you know, 10 people deposit to it, well yeah. then if nine of them are bad actors, that's not, uh, well, you're, you're not anonymous cause they'll just look at all 10 withdrawals and be like, well, we know you're one of those 10. Uh, so there exists um, a certain number where it becomes, you know, very difficult to uh to say with any reasonable amount now what they what they have done in the past with tornado cash is a lot of times okay people don't understand that you're supposed to leave it in for a while Hmm. because you deposit 10 eth and if an hour later you withdraw 10 eth it's pretty obvious well it's it's enough that it's like they're going to look at that and they do this is what we saw i think it was in the cryptopians maybe i can't remember where i was reading about this but that technique has been used and they were able to look at withdraws on the other side of tornado cash and go they they looked at um what uh exchanges they used and they're like well look somebody used this kind of obscure DeFi exchange protocol. Then they sent the coins into Tornado Cash. And then like, you know, very shortly after they sent those coins in, they pulled the coins out and well, they use that same thing. So it's not like a hundred percent that that's the same person, but they kind of just docs themselves via, you know, behavioral. Um,
0: signatures was there any way for like was there any DeFi or yield farming going on where they incentivized people to leave coin on tornado cash where somebody might have just been trying to to get the yield or did that not exist
1: oh it did exist yes so that's um that was the that's torn okay the torn coin um that program started in december of 2020 if i recall and um so pretty old in crypto terms <laughs> 20. I think that's about right. Um, yeah. And so how that worked is is exactly that. They incentivized you to deposit uh, into the mixer. And the longer you held it, you earned torn. And I mean, it was like, it was it was kind of janky at first, actually, there was a huge, um, there was a Merkle tree used to calculate all the rewards. And in order for somebody, somebody had to initiate that uh, on the contract they had to like generate the merkle tree and upload it and it um it was like the first version it was like 19 eth to oh, execute wow. the transaction that, or something that's uh that's and, not cheap yeah it was super weird and so they had to they, they there was a bunch of stuff they had to do to upgrade it and yes yeah, so there was a torn liquidity mining program um it was pretty lucrative for a while depending on you know when you sold and got out that's like all the liquidity mining stuff right yes it seems to be very similar it's but like
0: there's, there's an argument to say that there are people who are not trying to mix or wash but we're just trying to take advantage of a strong yield you know and and that would add their coins into the mix which might you know get sanctioned or frozen or whatever so it's pretty crazy are there things like this that exist on other chains solana bitcoin or is this just an ethereum thing
1: Oh, I think there's there. I know there's mixers on Bitcoin. There's a bunch of different ones there. And um, I don't know about Solana, I would guess that there's something similar. But I think sometimes what what has happened, because tornado cash had such had so many deposits, and uh, that the, the privacy, you know, was, was was good, and it was trusted. And I think that um, you could just bridge your coins into Ethereum. And we've seen that in, in recent hacks, I think, where they they stole it on this network. And then they just bridge them over to Ethereum and moved them to Tornado Cash. I mean, how, you know, in our this is our 10th episode here. And I, I'm fairly certain probably every single episode, every hack that we've talked about so far, someone sent to Tornado Cash, I think. Maybe one or two exceptions. But, yeah, it's... Um, Yeah, so, yeah, plenty of mixers on Bitcoin. Um, Some of them were centralized. Some of them, as it turns out, the Treasury Department actually already went after, like Blender. Interesting. .io was apparently a centralized mixing uh, system or application that they shut down and went after.
0: And... Wonder why they didn't arrest uh, the centralized one. (laughs) Well, I think they did. I'm not
1: totally sure, but I think they did. Uh,
0: So, yeah, I mean
1: seems like they're trying to make an example we will see what the story is with the developer if it's i think there were actually two romans um and i don't know i it's uh there was a something that i wanted to to talk about as kind of like a weekly thought for the show and i think it plays well here and it's this idea of like thinking about where you get your information and how that impacts the narrative that you have. And so, you know, what Twitter accounts do you follow? Where do you get your news? And how does that shape your opinion of these things? Like there's a really, you know, there are different sides and I think that it just, is refreshing to consider and look at and understand these different perspectives. But the further we get into our filter bubbles and into, you know, the algorithms feeding us news, we see less and less of those things. So I don't know. Just think about that.
0: I mean, I think I'm guilty of that, too. I sent you that chart that said of how much activity is going on in Cash and i took that as like oh it's, it's up and well and people are still using it and then you kind of dug deeper and we're like well think about that it's like a bank run and so like it's that's a great example of it right there
1: yeah i mean and and there's there's you know i have it i have made r slash a more frequent place that i visit even though i'm okay. moving towards <laughs> moving uh, away from reddit more using a lot of the social media but um, You know, it's helped me to look and sometimes I got to tell you, I, I pulled a couple this week that I almost wanted to read and talk about. Not to call out individuals at all, but just some of the ridiculous things that people in crypto say. When you really step back, if you've been immersed in it and you read it and it just you're just so immersed in Web3 and the narrative that you don't realize like there's some absolutely ridiculous
0: things going on. And I, I, I think it's good that you're on butcoin because it gives you the other side of the story. I think you also have to take that with a grain of salt too, as much as you have to take the, the moon boys and the people who are saying web three changes everything. You also have to take the haters as you know, they may have some good points and things that are true, but they also may just be dunking on people during the bear market. So as an example, r slash programming,
1: uh, yesterday, day before, a story about how um, blockchains really, you know, aren't going to deliver because it turns out like they're really only good for this very, very, very small thing. And so the article starts off and it says like there's a narrative amongst crypto people that say that like to say it's not about Bitcoin, it's about blockchain. And I like immediately I take objection to that because that was a narrative that was i i started hearing that narrative in 2018 2019 from uh the first place i heard it I, I distinctly remember this was from a ceo of a company i was working for and he knew that i was interested in in crypto so you know we were chatting and he was like yeah like i you know i heard this you know it's really like blockchains, really underlying technology interesting stuff so this article starts out immediately it's like people in crypto I don't know, maybe some people in crypto say that, but that was from Forbes magazine. That was a narrative that Forbes magazine set in what looked to me in an attempt to like discredit Bitcoin. Right. And so now it persists and it's taken on these different forms. So then I'm like, I'll read a little further into the article. The next thing is they say blockchains used to be blockchain. Now they call it Web3 and basically just to understand, you have to understand it's just a decentralized database, you know, and. uh but it's not, right? So so like that was true until Ethereum came along and put executable code on a blockchain. Like it's not just a database. So, you know, I totally agree with you that on both sides of the spectrum, there is total nonsense, but as, as guys that are more on the crypto side for sure, it's good and I would encourage people to think about the narrative, think about where you get your information and how it crafts the narrative because the coming years for these technologies, there is uh, there is certainly a polarity emerging and uh, it's healthy to have a conversation about it. And I, I agree with the sentiment of the article. At the end of the day, blockchain is good for a small set of use cases, right? I think, you know? Yeah, definitely. That's all we've proven so far. And I think that that's gonna grow i do think that there's more to it but um you know that's where we are and it's a i feel like it's good and okay to to be honest about that so um that was my crypto thought of the week we wanted to do our best scam of the week we're yeah. pushing an hour and let, let me have it um okay we'll do it then real quick so this one is not a uh not even crypto related we got a letter in the mail and i just couldn't believe it It was it was a full on good old-fashioned um pyramid pyramid scam so make two hundred fifty thousand in weeks oprah winfrey and abc's investigation team 2020 also proved it can be done
0: like that doesn't even make any sense (laughs) right it's funny how many spelling and grammatical errors are typically in a lot of these scams because they're from people whose English is not their first language. Yeah,
1: like, well, I don't know, like, ABC's Investigation Team 2020 also proved it can be done. It has proven by various highly respected US TV and radio programs as being 100% legal, feasible, and true. If a 15-year-old boy made 71000 in just five weeks and another boy made 250000 in just a few weeks, so can you. Uh, So yeah, it's a full on pyramid scheme I'm going to link it if you really want to read the whole letter But it's totally insane It's the one where you send a dollar to ten people And you put your name on a list (laughs) They go through and they call out Make sure you save money for the IRS Oh, and then at one point uh, I thought it was on the front page Yeah, okay, so I missed it The very end of the front page No shortcuts, follow the instructions to the letter This is not a pyramid or a scam how is that not a pyramid <laughs> like i how, it's, it's the definition of a pyramid Yeah. <laughs> it is yeah, exactly it, that it, it's, it's like you send to 10 people as long as people keep doing it the, um, the
0: scary part is it works probably you know printed
1: might, eight yeah and so they it does work on some people
0: yeah they they it might only work on uh, 4% of people but if they cast a wide enough net they are probably still winning there's one point at the end where it's like don't send
1: your friends and family with your name on the top it's like right because when your name's on the top that means that you're like new yep so it's like put your name at the bottom so that it looks like and i'm just like dude this is such a scam but then you can just see people sitting at their house going why well, got nothing else to do today maybe maybe there's a chance this will work so i'm gonna crank it out and uh yeah there's like eight pages of the whole letter if you're interested in pyramid scams then uh you might be entertained by this one so yeah. i'll post the the images on the show notes and uh you know be safe out there crypto people it's it's getting wild
0: yep this probably won't be the last time you'll hear us talk about tornado cash i'm sure we'll mention it in episodes to come and keep you posted on how this all goes but uh yep not a dull week in crypto
1: yeah and we'll uh, we'll see you guys back here next week if you like the show please share it with your friends let some folks know we're we're staying we're sticking with our regular cadence here And it feels like, uh, you know, things are moving along well. So if you like it, uh, help us out and share it with some friends. Peace
0: out, fellow DGens. Later.